The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again on Winning Ponies. Hope to give you a powerful show tonight. Got some great guests. No strangers to winning ponies, that's for sure. But uh, one of them comes with a, a new award pinned to her name, and that's Courier Journal turf writer Jenny Reese. She was named Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year by the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. What an honor. It's one thing uh, she's won uh, multiple Eclipse Awards, but that's just for competition against other turf riders. This is actually the Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year. You would think that would go to somebody covering U.K. basketball every year. And then one of our favorite guests and a top handicapper, Rich Ng from Las Vegas, will be with us. Of course, he's the columnist handicapper for the Las Vegas Review Journal, the author of Horse Racing for Dummies, and the guide to U.S. casinos and racinos. So we'll be talking to Rich. Uh, what a, <laughs> a great day at Santa Anita he had. Uh, on the weekends, he gives out his, uh, his picks, uh, gives you a couple horses in each race. And this week, he swept the card. So uh, the pick five that he gave out paid $1,127. So Jenny Reese and Rich Eng coming up in the show. I want to remind you, go to the Winning Ponies homepage. We're giving out free money, and we're giving out winning credits for your easy win forms. Uh, free contest for Horse of the Year and Divisional Champions. The Horse of the Year will be 30 points, and all the others are worth 10. You can get uh, top prize, $150. Second, 50 winning credits. Third, 25 winning credits. Our friend Curtis Cody has donated his new Cody calendar. We've got a couple of those for the fourth and fifth winners. And through sixth to tenth, you'll get five winning credits. So, again, get in there. It's free. It's going to end, I believe, noon tomorrow. So you've got that much time. The finalists have all been announced and and posted. Of course, uh, the top three for Horse of the Year, Mucho Macho Man, Will Take Charge, and Wise Dan. It'll be very interesting to see how many divisions Wise Dan ends up taking as he won several in the past. Uh, also, later in the show, we're going to look at uh, some of the races we picked last week. The very interesting sham stakes that could have influence on the Kentucky Derby. And of course, it was opening day at Oak Lawn last week. We had our friend John McDoolan handicapping with us. And then also out at Santa Anita, it was the grade two San Pasquale. There'll be some of the races we'll be uh, looking at the results of. And handicapping with Rich, uh, we're going to go 
to a Derby points getter in the Lecompte down at the fairgrounds. Very interesting race. They'll be going a mile and 70 yards down there in New Orleans. Then another three-year-old race that does not have points but you can bet horses coming out of this race will be looking for their next start probably at Santa Anita, at least probably the top three. Um, good matchup between Enterprising out of the Proctor Barn and Jerry Hollendorfer's exit stage left. Also, uh, we'll be going to uh, Santa Anita where the Strew will be run, 200000 up for grabs in this grade two wide open race. Can't wait to hear Rich's picks in there. And then at Gulfstream Park, who's having their huge Florida Sunshine Millions Day, we're going to go right to the classic where it looks like everybody's running for second money behind the horse that won it last year and who won the Breeders' Cup Classic, Mucho Macho Man. All right, somebody is going to be back in the headlines pretty soon, we hope. Johnny V. Uh, he is uh, continuing his recovery from the injuries he sustained uh, at the uh, Breeders' Cup on November 2nd. Uh, he hopes to be back to race riding in February. Uh, he is uh, getting up on horses, and he's uh, done a few workouts rather than gallop because he says you use uh, the, the same muscles that you do in riding. Of course, uh, you may recall that the 42-year-old Velasquez was forced to have his spleen removed after being thrown from Secret Compass in that race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Uh, but he says he feels good. He'll be coming back, so we will be looking forward to seeing Johnny V in the saddle soon. And I'm making attempts to try to get him on the show within the next two weeks. We had so much news last week, I had to jump over one story that I really didn't want to, and that's uh, uh, Hall of Fame at the fairgrounds. If you The old days in the old press box, you'd walk down the row and see all the old black and white pictures of some of the great turf riders and uh, clockers and people that had influence on the fairgrounds. Well, uh, a good friend of mine, Glenn Grimion, is being inducted into the fairgrounds press box. Uh, Glenn, of course, has been running the video down there with Gaston Galjour for many, many a year. Uh, 26 years ago when I worked at the fairgrounds, Glenn took me under his wing, took me out to his dad's restaurant, Bozo's. Oh, man, was that good. Taught me how to eat Roy o- raw oysters. Uh, but Glenn Grimion, now he's uh, associated with G.D. Hieronymus at Keeneland, who uh, seem annually to bring down the video awards in any competition they're in. And all I can say is, as good as he is at coordinating video, Glenn Grimion is an outstanding individual. I love the guy, and I'm happy that he got up there. Well, uh, the story of Groupie Doll is not over. She has not hit the breeding shed yet, and uh, there's still plans are up in the air. Even though she was purchased by Mandy Pope, she was put back into training. So she is uh, back with Buff Bradley, and they're pointing at a couple different places. Um, they're looking maybe at the uh, Hurricane Birdie at Gulfstream or the Barbara Fritchie. We may have some more breeding news on Groupie Doll a little bit later in the show. Some sad uh, breeding news was a story we've been following now for months. St. Nicholas Abbey was euthanized this week. He was undergoing colic surgery. It was uh, six months ago that he suffered a, this career-ending injury while training in Ireland. He was a multiple grade one, group one winner, uh, really tried hard. They say he was a great patient, kind of reminded you a lot of the uh, the Barbaro story. Uh, he was owned in a partnership by the Coolmore affiliated team of Susan Manier, Derek Smith, and Michael Tabor. You may recall that he captured the 2011 Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs. 
So uh, that story is closed. Now, we talked a little bit about uh, Groupie Dow. Where is she going when she does get done with her career? Well, it looks like she's going to Gaines Way Farm, and she is going to be bred to tap it. Now, Mandy Pope uh, of Whisper Hill uh, in Florida will have her horses in Kentucky. So Groupie Dow, the champion female sprinter of 2002, and may get that award again. Again, she's going to uh, tap it after being purchased for $3.1 million. But uh, Mandy has uh, pretty good uh, horses behind her. Uh, she bought uh, Arve de Grasse last year, and uh, she delivered her first foal and will be sent to Warfront uh, this year. And uh, it'll mark the second consecutive year that Warfront has had a horse of the year in his book as 2010 champion Zenyatim, you may recall, was bred to him last spring. Also, a horse that Manny Pope bought for $5.2 million called Better, 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 who just had an amazing pedigree, is also uh, going to be going to Warfront. Uh, top stallions were announced over in Europe. No surprise here. Uh, Galileo uh, was the top, and Master Craftsman had the top first crop sire. Well, it was a very tough week for our friend Michael Blowen down at Old Friends Farm. Uh, some very sad news on a couple of fronts, but it ended up hopefully something picked up his spirits later in the week. But Sunshine Forever, uh, the 1988 Eclipse Award winner, died at 29. He was really one of the marquee horses down there at Old Friends. Uh, if you're ever near Georgetown, you got to stop by the farm. Great people and a lot of great horses. Obviously, Sunshine Forever, the 1988 Eclipse Award winner champion, uh, was one of them, and he was a big favorite. He really got the uh, the farm kicked off well in all their efforts at taking care of uh, older horses that have been pensioned. Another one that uh, Michael lost this week was uh, Patton, a stakes-winning son of uh, Lord at War. Uh, he was there, and he is no longer there. He passed away at 23. And right on top of those two, uh, it was announced that Danson Renee, the graded stakes winner and 1997's New York Horse of the Year, uh, had had passed away. She was uh, quite the horse. In her banner year, 97, she claimed seven consecutive victories there in the Big Apple. So uh, it was a really tough week for Michael Blowen, uh, losing these horses that everyone at Old Friends uh, cares for. All three of them uh, died of different complications. Um, good news out of Old Friends is that uh, Cat Launch, multiple Ohio Horse of the Year, has been retired and he is going to be taking up residence. I should say he has taken up residence. I talked to Michael Blowen this week. Um, he has taken up residence there at Old Friends, and I already said on his very first day he took a peppermint out of a seven-year-old's hand like he had been there forever. So congratulations, uh, owner Ron Fields, trainer Ivan Vasquez, and I'm so glad that uh, Michael had something to kind of pick his chin up uh, after uh, – after the, the the tragic losses there. All right, the, the races that we addressed from last week, I would say the one that's going to get the most headlines 
It was the sham grade three with derby implications. Midnight Hawk, very impressive. These midnight loots for Bob Baffert are just taking off. Speaking of taking off, they took the blinkers off Midnight Hawk, and he outlasted a huge, big striding horse by the name of Christo that gave him everything he could to the top of the lane. Midnight Hawk, I was watching him run very closely. He was kind of flicking his ears, kind of goofing around a little bit. Uh, After he passed Christo, he kind of eased down into the rail rather quickly. He might be a little bit green, but he is something to be seen. Midnight Hawk with Mike Smith up, got the job done over Christo, a very uh, impressive race, and uh, we're going to be talking to uh, to Jenny Reese here in just a little bit. And uh, the the ownership of this horse is that uh, it's owned by some uh, interesting sports aficionados and sports stars. Uh, Coach uh, uh, Tice uh, is uh, is involved with this horse, and the uh, Joe Quinnenville. He has had two fantastic seasons with the Stanley Cup, and he is part owner of this horse. And I know that Jenny's been in contact uh, with uh, with Coach uh, Queenville. How do you pronounce that? Queenanville, probably French Canadian, I'm guessing. Uh, so we'll we'll tap into that uh, when we when we talk uh, to Jenny. But nonetheless, uh, Midnight Hawk, very impressive on the Derby Trail. The first race we handicapped, of course, the Oak Lawn is open now, and it was a bit of an upset. The brothers couldn't get it done. Cecil and Calvin Burrell off the board with more than beauty, and that opened it up to a huge try with the other logical horse that we talked about, and that Street Story, uh, who is a street cry trained by steve asmussen came out of the ledier memorial at fairgrounds with a top buyer finished on top underneath two horses that were quoted at 20 to 1 in the morning line the one dollar try if you keyed street story paid eight hundred dollars and forty cents and then we rounded that out with a look at the san pasquale and uh the the winner there was Blue Skies and Rainbows. Jelly, Jerry Hollendorfer's barn is loaded this year. Blue Skies and Rainbows got the job done over Majestic Harbor. And a horse that has an interesting pass but didn't really put it together last year, and that is Bob Baffert's Drill. So that was a look at the, the races we looked at last week. But right now we're getting ready to talk to Jenny Reese from Louisville, Kentucky. She's got her finger on the pulse of racing, and uh, soon she's going to have her fingers on a trophy that says Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stay with us. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, not only one of my favorite people in racing, but one of my favorite people in the world. She was named Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year this week. Her name is Jenny Reese. Uh, she has been uh, associated with the Courier Journal Sports Department since 1981, covering racing since 1983. Three times she's individually won the Eclipse Award uh, in kind of three different categories magazine writing, newspaper writing, and for news enterprise. And she was also part of the Courier Journal team that won the 2008 Multimedia Eclipse. So, with no further ado, the multi talented Jenny Reese from Louisville, Kentucky. Jenny, how are we doing? I'm doing great, John, especially after that introduction. Back last year, <laughs> or a couple years ago, John Asher said, you know, you may be the first person to win an Eclipse Award in four different decades. I thought, that's pretty cool. So I told my boss at the time that, and he goes, don't tell anybody that. I'll think you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you started winning them at, at, at a young age, Jenny. Uh, yeah, uh, right, right. Maybe- before we get out of the racing stuff, I mean, seriously, uh, uh, you know how crazy everybody is for U.K. basketball and even even Louisville football. And uh, be- between the, those two major sports, there's probably so many stories written every year. How special is this for you to be named not Turf Writer of the Year, but Sports Writer of the Year? Well, it came completely out of the blue. And it's, it, the thing about it, I mean, it is really amazing because when you look at the list of the past winners, the majority have been you know, sports columnists, you know, general sports columnists. Uh, there have been some U.K. basketball, you know, U.K. beat writers win. Uh, a couple of high schools, both for the Courier and the Herald Leader in Lexington, have had um, the highest uh, writers win. But for a turf fighter, I'm the only turf fighter in Kentucky, which, which makes me wonder if I'm the only turf fighter in the country to win one of these state awards by the National Sportscasters and Sports Broadcasters Association. So... It, it is truly amazing, I think. And like I said, it came completely out of the blue. And what's really cool is, I mean, I went in 2002 and no one ever said anything. And 
I didn't know what that big a deal it was, but a couple things have changed. One, the career is a lot more quick to, like, you know, they did a little story on me winning. They would, didn't do that in 2002. And the other thing is with social media, you know, it gets tweeted out and people tweet it out. And um, then both the Pollock Report and Equidaily did really nice little things on it. You know, we found my Facebook page, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I just, it's, what's been just really, you know, heartwarming is the reaction and the responses I've gotten from people in horse racing across, literally across the country. So, Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing it a long time, so I've been a lot of people, but, uh, I guess I haven't done anything to, uh, uh, you know, make them dislike me or root against me or anything. So that's, that's been really cool. So, I mean, it is a big deal. And um, the reaction's been a super big deal. Well, I'm really happy for you. You know, uh, you, you brought up a word that really, if you think about it, when you, when you started writing and where we are today, the difference in communication, you are, in a sense, almost your own news outlet now. Well, you it, it um, the racing symposium a couple of years ago when I was on the panel. Yeah, you might have been president of the turf offices. I was on Excuse the panel. Excuse me, I moderated that panel. <laughs> you got me on there. Yeah, that's right. And um, and thank you for that. Cause I always love going out there. But uh, you know, I was on there representing the dinosaur. The um, newspaper beat writer, racing beat writer, who was having to learn to you know, adjust and, and blog, and I just started my Twitter feed at the time, which, if I may shamelessly say, is at CJ underscore Jenny, with an I-E. Uh, yeah, yeah, say it more it, than it, once, it and uh, we'll get it out there so everybody can that's listening tell them to go get a pencil and write that down because you, you are great. You are on top of everything. I, I love watching you on the backstretch. You walk down there. You look like you, you're the mayor of Keeneland. You're the mayor of Churchill Downs. There's nobody that doesn't know you. And what's nice is nobody ever shies away from you. I, I know some guys aren't crazy about talking to some sports writers. Everybody seems to, to embrace you. So you, you, you've earned these honors, Jenny. These they haven't been bestowed upon you just because you're a great wordsmith. It's because you, you your boots on the ground. You're out there walking, and so those guys aren't afraid to do some talking. Well, as you well know, John, I do think that. Thank you very much. But I think part of it is too. You know, you know, I'm married to a trainer, and so I'm at the racetrack in the morning. You know, like the Churchill Downs every morning that I'm in town, whether I'm working or not. Usually, I am working. You know, I don't think I'm working. I end up working. <laughs> But I think that's really helped because as far as the horse people, like you said, a lot of them, maybe they haven't had that much experience with the media or maybe they have and they don't like it. I don't know. But um, I think it makes a difference that they see me out there. And I think it makes them think that I do have some appreciation for what they are going through. And I think maybe uh, also for the fans because they see me at the races a lot. I think that that makes a makes a difference. But uh, you know, uh, when I first came to the Career Journal, I thought I wanted to do. I was in sports, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, or cover like the Big Ten or the SEC. And I got so lucky back in the fall of '83 that the Racing Beat came open. And it wasn't a full time assignment then. I was kind of reluctant to do it at first, but it was the greatest break of my life. And like they say, better to be lucky than good. <laughs> I was so lucky in that spot. 
Well, you, you are both, and like I said, you're, you're always on top of, uh, of, of breaking stories, and uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about the ownership of uh, Midnight Hawk mm-hmm. and the sham stakes, uh, you had the chance to talk to, to Joe Quenneville recently. Right, well, yes, this afternoon, in fact. I, you know, I'm working on, it, it'll run in the January 26th Courier Journal, both print and online at com, and it's our annual January mega scouting report of the Kentucky Derby, and we, you know, identify 100 horses to watch. And I actually talked to Clintonville, you know, I'm just calling him Coach Q, that's easier. Um, a couple of years ago, he was a guest derby pollster for us one week, and so we actually had his phone number, so I texted him. That's another great thing that has changed in, in uh, doing all this stuff is, you know, texting, because it's more likely a lot of times to get a response if you text someone. They don't they don't want to listen to a message. So, but anyway, I text him, and he got back to me, and we talked this afternoon about um, Midnight Hawk, and what happened, both he and his assistant, Mike Kitchen, own a part of it, with um, Mike Pace, who was just named the offensive line coach for the Falcons, and John Secura, who um, raises um, all of Pegram's homebreds, and boards his mares. And anyway, so I guess it was Secura and, or maybe he wasn't there, but Mike Pegram was there with, uh, they'd gone to see the uh, Blackhawks play uh, the Ducks in Anaheim. And so the night before he had, you know, he went out to eat with um, um, Coach Q and also, you know, his assistant. And, uh, oh, Tice was there too. Yeah, those were the four. And Tyson Quinville just got talking and said, well, we'd like to buy a horse. And so Pegum says, well, we'll call Secura, John Secura, you know, that runs Hillendale Farm, and we'll have him pick my best baby. And you can buy it, you know, have half. Great. And that's what happened. And Quinville knows John Secura. I didn't know this, but he was like a pretty darn good hockey player. He might have even played college uh, for Michigan hockey. And the um, Quinville said that he's a better raising horses than he was playing hockey, but he ain't known him forever. So that's, you know, part of the tie. And, and he's just thrilled. He said he's never, you know, he's only had, had a couple of horses before pieces and like they were lucky if they even broke their maiden. And so, I mean, the tag I'm going to take is he's hoping his horse makes the Kentucky Derby, but he's hoping he doesn't make the Kentucky Derby. Because he makes the Kentucky Derby because the Blackhawks got eliminated in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> he's a great guy, and it would be really terrific to have have him, um, you know, uh, on the have his horse on the Derby trail. Yeah, I, I think it's great when, and you got to admit, it it helps our sport when when we have p- people like 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 him and 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 Jim Rome, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, uh, who's that famous chef too. that's got some horses. I think it really helps spread the word about our game. Should be Bobby Flay. Yeah, exactly, Bobby Flay, and I don't know what he's got now, but he might have some. And, and those guys always, you know, like Bobby Flay is always looking to buy too. Um, so I'm excited about this derby. You know, I mean, you can never tell. Who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, I just kind of look at, like, the storylines. I think Suge's going to be back again a year later, which is pretty cool. You know, he said, even before he won the derby last year with Orb, he said, I'm thinking I'm going to be back on a regular basis now. Just maybe the way he's preparing his horses, starting them a little earlier, uh, you know, just some different things and maybe some of the pedigrees and stuff he's getting and 
gosh, he's got, not only does he have Honor Code, who's the favorite in Vegas and who's been waiting for the Fountain of Youth to run, he's got Top Billing, who was a really good second to a very nice Fletcher Horse commissioner in a mile and eight allowance race at Gulfstream. And then he'll run in the Holy Bull, Mr. Speaker, who's a great stakes winner on, or a stakes winner at least on turf, but they're going to give him a chance on dirt too. And I know Honor Code and there's some other horses. Last crop was AP Indy, which was a small crop. Yeah. Um, so wouldn't that be something? AP Indy finally got a Derby winner. Uh, really? I mean, and, what and, a great and, and, and guy. So, and he's been, I, of course, he had his, you know, was scratched the morning of the Derby with a bruised foot. But if he came up with one. Well, listen, Jenny, I've only got a couple more minutes, and then I've got Rich Ng coming up behind you. I know you know Rich. and uh, But uh, he just wrote a column that shadows a column I'm writing right now saying, you know, I was skeptical about it at first, but I kind of liken the, the point system for the Derby. I want to get your read on it. it. It seems that it's kind of some of these guys, they can't sit on the bench. they got to get in the game if they want to get in the Kentucky Derby now. Yeah, I read that column of Rich's. It was a good column. Um I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with having to do something at three. And I don't have a problem with having to do something at longer distances. And I don't think you should get, as they said, you know, a full ride scholarship because he won the Delta jackpot as a two-year-old, you know. Um, you know, there's some things I think need to be tweaked. I think the Illinois Derby should be part of it. I think that the Breeders' Cup juvenile should be more than just 10 points. But I don't think it should be you automatically are in. Because you win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and you can't hit the board in one of those last two sort of major prep races, you really need to be in the Derby. I mean, we've <laughs> seen Breeders' Cup Juvenile winners with that kind of form go in the Derby, and the result for the most, it's not been pretty. You know, so uh, you know, I think it can almost save some horses from themselves. But in talking to these trainers, what I'm finding is, you know, after last year, were they every kind of obsessed about the points? They're not really worrying about So you know it's going to take care of itself. If you don't earn the points, you don't need to get it. And last year, like 10 points, I mean, they had some defections by some major points winners. But it was 10 points to get in. So I think Vegas has the over-under on how many points at 20 and a half, and that's probably a good (laughs) over-under. (laughs) <laughs> That's interesting. Well, the other thing that Rich, uh, and I, I really need to go after this, though, but I want to get your comments on it as a, a one that's uh, a horsewoman, I shall say, is Rich pointed out that uh, these guys can kind of bring a horse along a little bit slower because they can look down the road and they, they can eye the 50-point the, the, the races, the 100-point races. They don't have to kill their two-year-old winning the hopeful trying to get a whole lot of graded stakes money and then just kind of ride right. it out to the derby. Todd Fletcher told me pretty much that this morning. He says maybe he's bringing him his his two-year-old around a little later. Now, there's still a place for that two-year-old racing. You win the hopeful. It's no points, but it still goes down as winning Saratoga's hopeful grade one because there's certainly horses that run in those races that are not going to make the derby. And so, you know, get the money while you can. It's going to still spend whether it's points or not. Right. Yeah, and you think, think about how many good stallions came out of those races, too. Well, all I know is uh, that, uh, Jenny, the time flies way too fast when you're on with us. And uh, all I can do is, A, thank you for being on with us, and, B, congratulate you once more time for being the Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year, Jenny Reese. Thanks a lot for well, being with us, Jenny. Thanks for coming. Thanks, John. Anytime.
Okay. And Jenny has been kind uh, with her time. We've had her on uh, Kentucky Derby programs. We've had her on Breeders' Cup programs. She's one of the best. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be with the guy we've been talking about, Rich Ng from Las Vegas. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And a man that is no stranger to the audience of Winning Ponies, one Richard Eng. He's the columnist handicapper for the Las Vegas Review Journal, the author of Horse Racing for Dummies, and the guide to U.S. casinos and racinos. And Jenny gave out her Twitter handle. Let's give out Rich's. It's at Rich Eng, E-N-G, the number four pro pick. We'll give that out again before we leave, but uh, the fact that he is a columnist handicapper was really highlighted this week as his selections for Santa Anita. He gives out a couple of horses every race. Uh, He ended up going nine for nine with uh, the pick five paying $1,127, and I know that more than one guy cashed some tickets off his selections. Rich Ng, nice job of capping. Hey, thank you very much, John, and uh, I, I do want to let the listeners know that I'm not going to claim I had all nine on top, but, you know, still nine listed winners on the nine-race card is still pretty good, and uh, there was like a $20 horse and a $16 horse in those selections, and one of the uh, my readers actually took a, a snapshot with his cell phone of the ticket. He bought it at Golden Gate Fields, and he spent $40.50, and uh, he actually sent it to me after... Uh, the last horse won. I think it was Midnight Hawk. It was the the, the, the horse that you guys were talking about uh, when he won and paid like $2.80 in the, in the sham. That was his single, and 
uh, he, he, for forty dollars, he picked up eleven hundred and twenty-seven. So he was a happy camper, and I, I congratulate him. Well, he, he's got the address at the Las Vegas Review. He ought to peel off one of those honeys and send them on to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. But you know what? I, uh, I, I, I got to give you a story about uh, one of my early days at the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I've had a nice 15-year run, and hopefully it's another 15 years at least. But I had a day uh, at Santa Anita where I, I, I did have on an eight-race card. I had seven winners on top, and uh, the, in the eighth race, my horse ran second. And so I, I called the uh, the editor and, and to see if I could get maybe a little extra box in the newspaper. And yeah. uh, his, his reaction was priceless, John. He says, hey, that's what I pay you for. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you try it, buddy. Here's the racing form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my sports editor read but it wasn't sympathetic <laughs> to, to my request. But he said, hey, that's what I pay you for. Pick winners, you know. Well, I, I want to talk briefly about the column that Jenny and I uh, alluded to. Uh, as, I, as I told you, you and I are absolutely on the same page. I was very skeptical about the point system. I, I thought, oh, who are they to jam this down our throat? And as I watched those competitive races leading up to the Derby last year, I said, you know, outside of the Hawthorne race, these guys got it right. Yeah, I, I really do like the point system now. I was skeptical at first the first year but after seeing it in action uh, last spring and you know over the winter uh, I really think it's a it's a step in the right direction to use the points versus the the graded earnings um, the emphasis is on the races from February 22nd on where it's 50 points to the winner and then I think from late March on it's 100 points to the winner and, and last year John the 20th horse I think was giant to finish got in with 10 points and he got those 10 points by running third in uh, the spiral at Turfway. So it shows you, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to go crazy with these horses to get to get enough points to get into the race. I, I know I heard Jenny say that the, the, the Vegas has an over under for like 20 and a half of the points. I I would probably uh, bet the under because uh, you know if horses can't uh, don't deserve to go, I, I think more owners are are, are kind of like saying, well, well, we'll pass and try to save the horse and. You know, 10 points was good enough last year to get 20 in. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, there's ever a situation again, John, where there's like a mind that bird. I, I don't believe he would have had hardly any points, but he still made the 20-horse the field his year. But you know, we'll see what happens uh, as it goes down the line. But I, I, I like the point system. Well, one of the favorite things I gleaned from your column in there, and I'm going to read your quote, is this. The biggest positive to me is horsemen can focus on physical development and mental maturity. The idea being, if they do their job well, they will have a polished three-year-old colt by late February. Yeah, I, I really believe that in the fact that, uh, you know, I used the example of uh, Midnight Hawk and Top Fortitude coming into the sham. They'd, they had both broken their maiden uh, impressively, but that was the only race they had in the past years. With the earnings, you know, they would be far behind because obviously neither one had run in the stakes race yet, and a lot of the two-year-olds would have already piled up a, a, a bunch of money uh, in the earnings standings. But you know, with the way this, the the point system is, you know, Midnight Hawk he won the Sham, he's got ten points. But uh, you know, even if Baffert had not won the race with Midnight Sham, he would have been happy with development mentally and physically with the horse and get get them ready for the San Felipe and the San Diego Derby. And when you look at the points, the, the, even in the San Diego Derby, probably if he runs third, he'll, he'll definitely uh, have enough points to get into the field. 
Point well taken. Well, listen, if you want to tip your hand on this, this is fine. But I, I thought I'd ask you this question because a lot of our listeners are playing. We've got a contest going on uh, for, for Horse of the Year and, and Divisional Championship. Uh, um, have you put your ballot in for Horse of the Year? And if so, uh, I know you're probably writing a column about it. Can you tell us who it is? Yeah, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a national turf writer. I, I've got a, a vote, a ballot for uh, the Eclipse Awards. Uh, I did send in a while back, uh, John, and I, I voted for Wise Dan. And uh, I, I actually even voted for Charlie Lapresti as the trainer of the year because I, I think Wise Dan's going to win it. I would give him back-to-back course of the year titles, and I thought Lapresti should be uh, given accolades for doing such a phenomenal training job. Uh, uh, Lapresti did not make the top three. But uh, I think Wise Dan's the horse. Yeah, I think he won six of seven races, and they were all graded. Yeah, I mean, and he laid out his schedule. I, I know, uh, I think Andy Byer wrote kind of a uh, negative article about the schedule that uh, Wise Dan ran. But, you know, I, I, I take a look at the glass half full instead of the glass half empty. They pretty much announced uh, what their schedule was going to be, and anyone was welcome to show up and and take him on, and, and plus he carried weight. Since the racing secretaries knew he was going to run, they, they 7, 28, 29 on him, and he didn't duck. You know, he, and he, he ran and beat whoever bothered to show up. Uh, his one loss uh, was in a torrential downpour when they took the race off the grass at Keeneland, and he ran a good second, but uh, it just wasn't his, I guess, his preferred service. But uh, he, he didn't scratch out. He didn't use any excuses. No, and I, I was there that day, and I have never saw a sloppy poly track. That's how much rain came down, Rich. And not only did they change the surface, they changed the distance he had to run. So I'm just putting a line through that race. Oh, I, you know, I did not realize that, John, that they had changed the distance of the race, and uh, so that's a, that's a drawback. But, you know, I, I, I really think when you lay out your schedule, you know, you're inviting anyone who's uh, – wants to take you on to, to, to run against you. And, you know, maybe somewhere down the line that uh, uh, Mr. Fink and Mr. and Charlie Lepresti will, will try some other avenues because uh, if they win the horse of the year twice, I think they have a leverage to maybe try some different scenarios and, and maybe try some, you know, more dirt races, maybe travel to different areas. It'll be interesting. He's a gelding, so... He's not going anywhere as long as he runs fast. <laughs> well, once again, you're a mind reader. I was going to say, also, Mr. Fink and Lepresti might think twice before they go to the knife on these nice horses they have. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the old stories, I mean, the, I, I can remember that growing up and you'd see, you know, Kelso and Forgo and John Henry. But the thing is, if these horses weren't gelding, uh, gelded, they probably wouldn't have, uh, their, their talent wouldn't have come out to the uh, point it did. <laughs> Absolutely, John Henry was like killing people. So he, he never had any <laughs> was on reason. And they, and they got him right. But you're right. You're right. You, you, you name you name the top the top gelding. Like you said, they may not have got there. Well, listen, uh, I got a couple minutes till our first break. So I thought what I'd do is just go to our first race that does have implications in in the Derby as far as points. Uh, the Lacomp down at the fairgrounds. It's a mile and seventy yards. The fairgrounds light Gulfstream is having a huge stakes race day. But I thought I'd pick this one because of the three-year-olds. And once again, there's a, there's a, a horse with the name of Hawk in there that draws my uh, attention because I remember his damn caressing, winning the bassinet stakes at River Downs and then going on to be the Eclipse Award winner way back when. She's by Empire Maker out of caressing, is two for two with a win at the fairgrounds at the distance. Boy, 
that those are some credentials to bring into this race. Yeah, and I, I took a look at the owners when I saw Winchell Thoroughbreds. Uh, those are Nevada residents. Uh, those are Las Vegas people, Ron Winchell and uh, his family. So uh, if this horse uh, continues on, uh, this has Vegas connections. But uh, when you have that kind of pedigree, empire maker out of caressing, you're meant to be any kind of horse. They spent 450000 at Keeneland for him. He's two for two. And, uh, you know, this is a stepping stone race. I'm sure Steve Asbusen would like to win the Lacomp, but if he just runs a good race and continues to progress, it's part of that conversation we had earlier tonight, uh, John. We want this horse to develop physically and mentally. Absolutely, and and I think mentally could be a part of it because when you look at this horse's running lines in, in its debut at Churchill, which it won impressively going seven, it unseated its rider while warming up, and then in his last race, uh, Goldhawk had to be a bully. Uh, he he was bumped at the quarter pole while trying to get out of trouble and uh, still rallied to win off by three and a half lengths. Uh, I do see that uh, Asmussen is going now to one of his. Uh, uh, a players in the saddle uh, switching to Sean Bridgemahan. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of upside to Goldhawk. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, the jockey Santana wasn't too happy about being taken off, but sometimes you just have to uh, stay closed-mouthed about it and uh, wait your turn on another horse. And, you know, at some point his, his chance will come to, to continue riding a horse like this. Who knows if the you know, something happened to the Lacomte, he may go back to Santana. But Bridgemahan is uh, the stable rider for Asmussen. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that's a, that's a big plus in here. Well, our, my producer's saying uh, I've got to go uh, pay some bills right now. Uh, we'll take a little break here. We're talking with uh, Rich Ng, and when we come back, we're going to go to another three-year-old race that doesn't have points, but I'm guessing you're going to find the winner going for points at Santa Anita after the race. Uh, that's the California Derby, and while we're out west where uh, Rich uh, did so well last week, we're going to go to Santa Anita for the grade two Strube, and we'll close out the card with an easy pick and the Florida Sunshine Millions Classic. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With two from high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports 
America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Rich Eng, the columnist handicapper for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Always has some great insights into racing. Well, a, a race that didn't make the, the Derby points board, but uh, I believe will launch horses on the trail to, to a points board race, is going to be the California Derby. It's 100000 It's going a mile and a 16th. It's up at Golden Gate. But it's still true together, kind of a pretty interesting and I think somewhat competitive field. Uh, you've got two horses in here, Enterprising and Exit Stage Left, that are coming out of back-to-back wins, and then a question mark horse uh, they coming in from Great Britain called Morally Bankrupt, um, and then you got you got the Golden Gate horses there coming out of the Gold Rush. Uh, Rich, give me give me a read on this race. Uh, to, to me, we talked off uh, Mike a little bit. Uh, enterprising from the Proctor Barn looks pretty salty. Yeah, enterprising. You know, obviously, I saw that last race, the Eddie Logan and. Enterprising and Royal Banker, the eight horse ran one too, and that was a terrific race by both horses. Uh, Royal Banker uh, ran a winning race, even though uh, he was second uh, uh, for Corey Nakatani. And uh, actually, it's, it's interesting both horses get a new jockey because uh, we were talking on the break that Gary Stevens is going to be riding Mucho Macho Man, so Aaron Greider picks up the mount on Enterprising, and Kevin Krieger, who's a pretty good jockey, picks up the mount on Royal Banker. And to me, those two uh, kind of outclass the field. Although uh, I think the two horses is an interesting horse in the fact that Jerry Hollendorfer uh, ran this horse as a, uh, in a debut in a stakes race and won the, the Golden Nugget at the Golden Gate and then came right back and won the Gold Rush. So uh, Jerry must have had very high uh, hopes for this horse to, to, to run first time in the stakes and not even bother with needing a special weight race. But I, I think if you're uh, doing a uh, horizontal wager, uh, you could you go with those three and feel pretty safe you're going to get the winner. Yeah, and I mean, where, where does Hollendorfer come up with these horses? The horse is racing on the West Coast. It's a New Jersey bred. Where did he find this horse? He paid oh, wow, $100, I just realized for Brightview Farm in New Jersey. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, maybe uh, maybe at some point he'll ship this horse over to Monmouth because I know uh, the Jersey breds have a pretty good purse structure for, for the state bred races, but at this point he's going after uh, some open company and uh, – this is a this is a nice animal, you know, two for two. That and, and the bypass made in special weight. That's that's pretty strong. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I think it really it, it falls down to the two inside horses. But Royal Banker, you got to scratch your head a little bit because the horse really what did put in a solid uh, run against Enterprising in that last race. Uh, with obviously its uh, European breeding, uh, shouldn't have a problem going along. But it will be its first start. Ever on a main track in the California Derby, so uh, should be an entertaining race at, at the least. Well, um, 
You are uh, obviously pretty on top of what's going on at Santa Anita. About two weeks ago, I had Tom Quigley on, uh, who's uh, pretty well tied on out there, too. So I'm looking to you to uh, help me with the Stroobe uh, race with a lot of history to it. Grade 2, 200,000, going a mile and a 16th. Kind of an interesting race. It's uh, the return of Governor Charlie. Yeah, you've got uh, two horses from Bob Baffert and two horses from Sherry Hollendorfer. Uh, that makes up half of the eight-horse field. And uh, the, the Baffert horses, uh, Governor Charlie, uh, before uh, he went to the sidelines after the Preakness, this horse was absolutely uh, killing. Uh, the Sunland Derby is a race that uh, uh, some of your listeners might want to watch on the archive replay. That was just a devastating win. And then uh, it, it, it led Baffert to take a shot at the Preakness and, didn't get the job done there, and then uh, something happened, and they gave him plenty of time off. It's kind of a tough spot, though, to come back off a long layoff. He has been out since last May. Uh, yeah, but how about the layoff of shaking it up? Baffert's other horse, this horse hadn't been out since March of last year, or, or uh, uh, and then comes back day after Christmas and records a 106 buyer in the Malibu. Pretty impressive. The last horse to beat him was Governor Charlie. Well, I'll tell you a sidebar story on shaking it up. After he won the San Vicente, I bought a uh, Kentucky Derby future book bet on him. I got him like at 75 to 1, and uh, I was hoping he was going to win the Sunland Derby and then go on to Kentucky. And I have this ticket in my pocket, but uh, you know what happens sometimes? Uh, Bob Baffert had two horses in the race in the Sunland Derby at uh, Sunland Park. 3 to 1 uh, odds on shaking it up, 9 to 1 on Governor Charlie. So what happens? The longer price one wins. Yeah, it happened. Uh, it happened uh, two weeks ago when I had Quigley on the show. It, it ended up being a four-horse field. Baffert had two, and uh, the horse that won paid twelve eighty. Yeah, I mean that happens a lot with Bob, and it does happen a lot with actually some some major barns. And I know I've made some issues about it. Not not that there's any chicanery going on, but you know somebody pointed out saying, well, it just happens that when. Uh, a major trainer puts two horses in. Sometimes there's a tendency for the public to really lean on one and forget about the other, and that that's a mistake, obviously, for us handicappers. We're trying to put tickets together. So anyhow, here I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a hundred bucks, Rich. Where are you going in the Strube? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, if if Governor Charlie runs the race he, he ran in the Settling Derby, he, he'll just airball his group. But uh, I'll tell you a horse that actually has looked pretty good to me. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll go up in price level. He's five to two in the morning line. I guess he's a fair. But I, here the ghost is a horse that I think is really sitting on a big race. Uh, this horse, uh, you know, won the San Felipe last spring, John, and uh, got sidelined, and we didn't see him until he came back in November. But he's he's had two good seconds, and I just get the feeling that Hollendorfer has him on edge for a big run uh, in the Struve, and this might be the kind of horse that he's pointing for the Santa Anita handicap uh, a little later in the meet. But uh, I could see the six here, the ghost, really running a big one for uh, for Hollendorfer. Absolutely. And I think the key there, Rich, is this horse is coming out of a game effort in the native diver. It missed by a half a length to who? Blue Skies and Rainbows, who wins the San Pasquale last week. Yeah, we, we you, you like that as a horse player when uh, a horse that just beats you goes on and wins his next start. That tells you that uh, the race was pretty salty. I'm not sure if it was a key race or not because I don't have the chart to see who fit, how the horses did behind them. But uh, I know here the ghost is a, is a pretty nice animal. 
And, uh, you know, when he got bet down to favoritism in the native diver, I don't think he was the morning line favorite. I, I, I may be wrong on that. But I remember looking up at the board and seeing the action he was taking. That, uh, you know, it, that tells me that the barn was, uh, Hollandorf had three in the race, I remember, and the native diver. And this might have been the one they preferred, even though he got beat. Well, Rich, I've only got a minute left, my producer's telling me, and I think that's all we need to give out the winner of the Florida Sunshine Millions Classic. Again, a lot of great stakes races at Gulfstream Park this week. It's the 10th race, and the words of Kevin Gomer, I think you can say, put a ring around, mucho macho man. Yeah, there weren't too many horses uh, eager to take on uh, the champion. <laughs> it's a pretty... It's a pretty soft spot, even though Mucho Macho Man, a lot of times I like to bet against horses coming out of the Breeders' Cup It's uh, you know after a long layoff, but uh, it's hard to see one of these other horses uh, winning unless they run an absolute uh, career top or just runs right off the screen. Absolutely. Well, folks, we're talking with Rich Ng. I see that I've got to get out of here. You can talk to Rich Ng on Twitter at, at Rich Ng, E-N-G, the number four, Pro pick. Rich, thanks a lot for being with us. You're one of my favorite guests. Hey, thanks, John. Anytime. And uh, you have to keep me updated on the, the River Downs uh, slash casino scenario. I'm real interested in the progress there. The new name is Belterra Park, and I will do that. We've been talking with Rich Ng and Jenny Reese. Thanks for tuning in to winningponies.com. When you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.